It's only a few weeks away, and you can't hide from it. It's the NHL trade deadline. A man who doesn't fear it, Jim Rutherford, never afraid to make a deal. And in his latest deal, the GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins got a guy he's had his eye on for the last two to three years, and his name is Jason Zucker. Meantime, Jim Rutherford's former colleague, Bill Guerin, the current GM of the Minnesota Wild, got a very solid prospect and also made a coaching change a few days later. How does the past seven days affect the Minnesota Wild and the Pittsburgh Penguins? We debate and discuss in episode 206 of the Lace Em Up podcast, which starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. And uh, we are going to talk about uh, Jason Zucker finding himself a new home, although it seems he's been on the trading block forever. Yep. Um, but, uh, Brett, you want to quickly mention a few trades that we're not going to talk about in depth, but we are aware uh, that these trades have happened, both involving the New Jersey Devils. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I, I guess it would be, we would be remiss to mention that um, these trades did happen and all that stuff. But now that we only talk about one topic per week, um, it, you know, we can't just all of a sudden uh, change course all of a sudden. I guess because like the Blake Coleman trade is kind of even more interesting than the uh, Jason Zucker trade, I would argue. Um, in a way, yeah. I mean, in, in their unique kind of way, but yeah. So anyways, uh, well, first off, happy uh, President's Day to every all the Americans. And also, I guess, happy uh, Family Day in Canada for all you Canadians who are listening. For most of Canada. It's not everywhere in Canada, but some oh, I, probably okay. celebrated it. You made My, it seem uh, like Ontario it was all Cana- Canada. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a national holiday. In some provinces, they observe right. it. Ontario, where I live, is one of them. Got it. To anyway. all of you in Ontario and other parts of Canada, yeah. happy Family Day. Whoever celebrates Family Day. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, the, uh, the Devils made two moves on Sunday when we were recording uh, quickly. Uh, Blake Coleman is the big one. Is Blake Coleman's going to the Tampa Bay Lightning um, for uh, Nolan Foot and a 2020 conditional first-round pick, which was the Canucks... Tri- uh, first round pick if you remember that JT Miller trade um, in the offseason there is a condition on that pick if the Canucks do not make the playoffs in this season that first round pick will transfer to the 2021 first round pick instead Um, and then also the Devils received David Quinville and a 2021 second round pick for Andy Green um, both, uh, I think the Devils won both those trades. Um, <laughs> I mean, Nolan Foote and Nolan Foote's a pretty good prospect. Um, I was quickly looking at his stats before we came on. He's, he's a pretty good uh, prospect for them and a first round pick. So that, that's not bad for Blake Coleman, who should be like a good depth piece for the Tampa Bay, uh, lightning. And then, um, and then there's like a defenseman for a defenseman type move um, in the other deal 
Um, it's a, li a little less um, sexy, if you will, will that trade, but um, it is kind of interesting nonetheless. Um, yeah, and, and I guess we'll talk about those trades in context um, in the coming weeks um, eventually, but I, I just wanted to mention that because it's not like we're ignoring it, but it did happen. Mm -hmm. But before those trades happen, this is yep. the, the trade that we're talking about in depth today is kind of what started yep. this whole thing. It wasn't the Jack Campbell, Kyle Clifford trade. This was <laughs> the first significant yeah, trade wrong. that I think really got the ball rolling. Yeah, the uh, the Jack Campbell trade is another one that we didn't talk about, but that one happened as well. But yeah, no, you're right. I think I don't think the this Blake Coleman trade would happen if Jason Zucker wasn't traded early on in the week. Um mm -hmm. So, anyways, the trade is uh, Jason Zucker is going to Pittsburgh for Alex Galchenia, Kaylin uh, Addison, I think it's Kaylin, um, yep. and a 2020 conditional first-round pick. Um, there is a condition on that, of course. If Pittsburgh misses the 2019-20 playoffs, Pittsburgh has the option to send their 2021st, their 2021 first-round pick instead. That's gonna get confusing all the time now. <laughs> I keep I'm gonna always say the 2021st first, but it's it's the 2021 first. Yeah. Um, the um, yeah. So this is I, I think as you mentioned to start the show. I I remember last year, um, there was like Phil Kessel, um, and I think it was Jack Johnson. We're going to go for to Minnesota for Jason Zucker and another player. Um, and that didn't fall through because uh, Kessel didn't want to go to Minnesota. Um, so uh, Rutherford's been eyeing Jason Zucker for ever since it feels like, because uh, there's always these reports that the Penguins are interested in Jason Zucker and stuff. So they finally got their, their man, so to speak. Um, Zucker, um, I believe, oh, he played today as well. I was, I was just looking at their hockey reference, but, um, which doesn't update us on what happened today. Uh, but he had two goals in his second game, um, for the Penguins. And I believe he had an assist today, but I want to double check he quickly. He did have an assist because he is on my fantasy team. Okay. Um, and uh, in the first game, although he didn't get any points, he did get five shots on goal. Yeah, so, okay. So even, even the first game, that was against Tampa Bay, he, he had his looks. Yeah, so I'm looking right now, Jason Zucker played, yeah, he had an assist against the Red Wings. But, so he has two goals and one assist um, in the three games, um, I guess, and he didn't even score in the first game. So he's been, he's been pretty good so far for them. And then Galchenyuk um, has played two goal, two games, um, hasn't scored yet for Minnesota, but we'll talk about that in a second. Um, and then also, Kalen Addison is like one of the best prospects for the Penguins, and he's a pretty good defenseman. He has 45 points in 41 games for Lethbridge um, Hurricanes, who are in the WHL. I'm looking here on the on the elite prospects here. He also uh, had nine points in seven games for the, uh, Team Canada in the World Juniors as well. Um, so so yeah, he could be pretty good um, when he in a couple of years for them as well. So we're but we're gonna start off 
Um, so what does this do for Pittsburgh? Um, like, yeah, this seems like a lot for minutes uh, for for Pittsburgh to give up, because uh, especially considering that Kalen Addison is by far was by far their best prospect. But at the same time, you know, Malkin is not getting any younger. Same with Crosby. Um, and who really knows with Chris Letang either, because he always gets injured. So it's like, this is, if you're going to shop for a winger, this is the time to do it. And also, not to mention, like, you know, the Penguins don't have Gensel for, uh, I think, for the rest of the season, at least. Yep. And... Uh, they don't have, uh, you know, they got rid of Kessel in the off season, so this is like a a good replacement for both Gensel and Kessel. And so far, Zucker is uh, proving that you know he uh, he is pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I'll let you talk. I feel like I've been talking too much now. <laughs> um, there there are a lot of mixed reactions um, in in terms of like Pittsburgh fans and. Uh, Pittsburgh pundits and hockey pundits in general. Um, Seth Rohrbaugh tweeted this, and I found it probably the most bang-on tweet that perfectly summarizes what Jim Rutherford is trying to do. If this means the twenty-six, uh, sorry, if this means the twenty twenty-six twenty-seven Penguins are terrible, so be it. They want to win the 2019-20 Stanley Cup title. This doesn't make or break the roster, but they are in a better spot. He's right. They are in a better spot because if you take a look at their left-wing depth, it's lacking. Gensel's hurt. Kessel, of course, is in Arizona. They need a guy like Jason Zucker to fill that void, a guy who has scored 30 goals in an NHL season before, gotten 60 plus points in that same season has been trusted with decent power play minutes and he's done that without a guy like Crosby and Malkin on his team on his line so if you put a guy like Jason Zucker in a top six role with good players you are probably going to get a lot of production and the other thing that helps make it a little easier for Pittsburgh to make this deal is that after this year, Jason Zucker has three more years. Granted, it's at a cap at a 5.5 million, but that's three more years of Jason Zucker. You don't have to worry about extending him. You just plug him into your lineup. And when you get Gensel back, you take a look at how good Malkin and Rust have been this year. Maybe Jason Zucker finds some chemistry with them and all of a sudden you have a solid second line, maybe one of the best in the league even. Mm -hmm. So um, I think down the road, Jason Zucker makes the Penguins team even better once Jake Gensel returns to full strength. And like you said, probably not going to happen this season. What's also interesting is how long Jim Rutherford wanted this guy for. It's, it's similar to Pierre Dorian wanting Matt Duchesne for 18 months. Unfortunately, that didn't turn out well for Dorian. Hopefully, it turns out better for Jim Rutherford. But he, he had his eyes on this guy for two or three years. Bill Guerin yep. was on the Penguins' side of things last year when Jim Rutherford was eyeing Jason Zucker. 
And it's, I guess, only fitting that Bill Guerin basically gives Jim Rutherford what he wants this entire time. Um, and like I said in, in uh, the tee-up for the show, Jim Rutherford is not afraid to make trades, especially at the deadline. Um, since taking over as Penn's general manager, Rutherford has averaged three trades in the month leading up to the trade deadline, this being his first of 2020. And he has made 54 trades in his career within 21 days of the trade deadline. So he likes to get ahead of the game. And in the last 24 months, he's actually made 20 trades. Yeah, that's nice. And one of them was to get Alex Galchenyuk. So it, I, I think to kind of have the foresight of, okay, Galchenyuk isn't getting it done. He's on my fourth line we need to make a change here. Maybe this guy who's on the fourth line of another team, but has scored 30 goals, um, can get me what I want. Yeah. And I think the odds of Jason Zucker bouncing back are greater than Alex Galchenyuk bouncing back because Jason, and I say that because Jason Zucker is a better all around player than Alex Galchenyuk is. Yep. You put Galchenyuk on the power play, he puts up points, he scores goals, and that's it. Jason Zucker does a lot more than just that. At the same time, if I'm a Penguins fan, I hate giving up another prospect and another first-round pick. You don't have your second-round pick to begin with. Now you don't have your first, so you're not picking until round three given how deep that first round could be that first round pick could turn out to be a a player that could do some good things for you down the road but again it's about creaking that ever shrinking window a little bit open to kind of give you an extra shot at a stanley cup i don't know if it's going to pay off for pittsburgh but obviously a gamble that Jim Rutherford feels is worth making as uh, Crosby and Malkin uh, are closing in on the end of their prime. Yeah, I think that's the key there is that Crosby and Malkin aren't going to be this good forever. Um, Nor Latang. Or Latang is the other one too. Yeah, so um, so I think you gotta have to, you, you're going to have to like trade your prospects um, and your future uh, in order for you to to do that like you know that's going to be a future rutherford problem uh a couple of years from now when when crosby and malkin aren't as good as uh they used to be um and that will be something that they'll have to deal with but um i think uh for now it makes a lot of sense you have to like they have a serious shot at the playoffs um or at the cup i should say and you have to do that so um, so it's like a kind of like a, a balancing act, I want to say. Like on one hand, you're gutting your future and you're gonna be pretty bad in the next couple of years. On the other hand, you know Crosby and Malkin and Latang aren't getting any younger, and they're all generational talents. You have to go for it right now because the window is definitely closing for them so yeah and the other yeah. the other thing when i was taking a look at their cap friendly page the cap is also still a problem that jim right. rutherford has to navigate around because 
a couple of weeks ago, he extended Marcus Peterson right. to a five-year deal, which pays him starting next year just over four million. You had already traded Olimata and Phil Kessel to kind of get under the cap to fit in Jay Gensel's extension, which is uh, worth six million per year. Yeah. And on top of that, you're going to have to deal with a lot of RFAs this coming season. You have McCann, you have Cahoon, you have Simone, and your two goalies, Matt Murray and Tristan Jerry. And as the years go on and more free agents and RFAs are due for new contracts, Pittsburgh still has to worry about the cap problem and also the Seattle expansion draft because you can only protect so many of your assets. What if Jason Zucker ends up getting exposed in the draft and Seattle ends up snagging him? Yeah. You basically traded Kalen Addison, Galchenyuk, which might turn out to be something, and a first for a guy that's on your team for like a year and a half, and he's playing on an expansion team now. Yeah. The one thing I would argue about this Jason Zucker stuff is that, like, in the past the Penguins have traded for like a lot of these wingers and none of them have really been the guy, I guess other than maybe Hornquist. Uh, but like yeah. I, like they got Nick Bukestad, that didn't work out. Jared McCann, that didn't work out. I guess Phil Kessel does work out, but um, Galchenyuk's another one, Tanner Pearson. Um, you know, I could kind of go on and on about this, but like, so that, that does give you some pauses that it feels like there are definitely, um, there are some times when the uh, Penguins do try to trade for these wingers to play along with Crosby and Malkin. And oftentimes they don't work. Um, and, you know, the guys that have worked, Gensel um, and, uh, I, yeah, I guess Gensel really, um, <laughs> uh, ha have been like drafted uh, by the Penguins, so you, they have to like, I don't know, they have to find, you know, they have to, and Gensel was a diamond in the rough type player, so um, so they have to get lucky in the draft if they're going to try to find these type of players, um, and sometimes they don't always work. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it does uh, bring along some questions where you like, you look at their roster, it's like, Jared McCann wasn't the guy, Brandon Tanev yeah. wasn't the guy. Patrick Hornquist, maybe he's kind of inconsistent. I guess Brian Rust has his moments. Well. Nick Bukestad's another one. I said Nick Bukestad, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Brian Rust is another one that has been drafted, but he was kind of a di another diamond in the rough. Uh, Teddy Bluger has had his moments this year. Um, he was, I, th I believe he was a draft pick from the Penguins. Dominic Simone has also had his moments as well, so... Like a lot of the guys that have been working out for them have all been draft picks, other than I guess Hornquist and Kessel back in the day. So, um, so sometimes these trades don't often work out when they get someone who's not homegrown from them. So, that is something to consider, um, for sure. However, Jason Zucker is better than Bukestad and um, all the other guys I mentioned, yeah. on the, uh, yeah. besides like, Kessel, obviously. but He, he makes yeah. the team better right away. There's no question yeah. about it. And if they can get by without Jason Zucker prior to this and still find ways yeah. to win, imagine what they can do with 
a healthy contributing Jason Zucker. For sure. Um, and then uh, so now we'll let's talk about the Minnesota Wild because now they they are an even more interesting team. Um, yeah, because they're they're going full rebuild right now. Uh, but the thing that's interesting about them is that, or it's been going on for quite some time, is that they treated, they signed Zach Parise and Ryan Suter to long-term deals, uh, all worth $7 million. Um, and this was, like, before the, the, la- the latest lockout, so... Yeah, I believe it <laughs> yeah. was also a 13-year contract. Yeah, there's some, something which nuts. Which you don't see any more of those. Yes. Yeah. So, which is fine if they're you know, when like in the first half of their contract because they were yeah. pretty good and all that stuff, but then sometimes they get injured and now they're not as good as they once were. And that kind of affects their cap situation because they can't really rebuild without without these two behemoths of a contract. Um, and it kind of like affects how they manage their roster for for a long time now. Um, and, uh, so it's like crazy that like Parise has five more years left and he's 35 years old. And that's, that goes the same for Ryan Suter. So that's, uh, that just tells you how, uh, crazy their contract negotiate their, their cap spaces, um, for the time being. However, this is a pretty good move for them. Um, Alex Galchenyuk, he's going to be a UFA next year. Um, I I have the sense that if Dalchenyuk can't even do anything um, on the wild when he'll presumably get a lot of ice time, he's uh I feel like he he's done for in the league. This is his fourth team. Um, I believe it's his fourth team in three years. Um, well, not only that, that, this is the third time he has been traded since the start of the 2018 offseason. Well, that's what I'm saying. Fourth time in three years. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, he's always been on a new team, and this is his third time. And this is his third chance, really. Um, and, of course, like, I guess that's asking a lot because I guess they have about 30 more games left. And, obviously, the, the Wild aren't necessarily um, – the best team in the world so you know he may not even uh get that chance but you know he's not um he hasn't been good for pittsburgh um he was okay in arizona but like you know this is it's kind of it's a little bit scary to see um how quickly teams are ready to move on from him because he, you know, there was one point when he had 30 goals um, in Montreal, but that was five years ago. Um, so I think there are some teams that will probably take a chance on him, kind of like uh, Derek Broussard, um for the Islanders. But um, I guess there's probably other examples. But So maybe there will be a, a team that will take him on for less uh, next year. But it's not um, looking great for him. Um, but the Wild do get Kalen Addison, who I mentioned a lot on. Uh, he had 45 points for 41 games. Um, and he, uh, like, you know, in the WHL, of course, that doesn't always translate to the NHL. But 
that you know he, he looks like he could be pretty good for them um, in the meantime um, and yeah I mean I guess you know the Wild do have Matt Dumba, Jared Spurgeon and Jonas Brodeen as well as Ryan Suter uh, so they're, they're pretty good on defense but uh, just adding another top prospect defensive prospect for them uh, could do wonders for them um, in a couple of years um, if he is good um, and then at first you know you never know what what that can bring to you I mean for all we know the Penguins uh, will get out in the first round um, and they'll they'll get a, a 20 20th pick so that's not bad for them um, yeah so this is like a first like rebuilding move for Bill Guerin uh, we'll talk about Bruce Boudreaux in a second, but I wanted to get your thoughts on the wild side for this. Yeah, the alarming thing about Alex Galchenyuk is he was once drafted third overall. Jason Zucker wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, that's 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 the alarming part when like a top three pick can go from this to in probably the most pivotal point in his career, unrestricted free agency and. You might have to settle for like one year, one million, because um, you've you've kind of like quickly uh, overstayed your welcome. And like, you take a look at his ice time in his only year in Arizona last year, it was fifteen forty four per game. This year, it's eleven thirty five. Like, that's a decline of four minutes and change, and is. Power play time on ice went from 310 last year to 134 this year. Um, his final five games with the Penguins didn't even get 10 minutes in any of them. And some of them he didn't even reach six minutes. So that that alone just goes to show you how he went from this guy to just like, we're going to put you in line with Crosby and Malkin and you're going to score a ton of goals. And then he doesn't score a ton of goals, doesn't generate too much scoring opportunities not on the even the second power play unit for them that like that just says so much right there like if you're not on the power play you're not producing on the power play you're not getting power play time you're you're nobody you know you're not you're not you're not doing much to help your team at all like you know outside of a few 200 shot seasons outside of a couple of 40 point seasons, a couple of 50 point seasons, a 30 goal season with Montreal, just like you said, but it just hasn't really happened for Alex Galchenyuk. And you really hope that the guy finds success and maybe this is where he's able to find his groove, but it's just, it's just alarming that you put him on the same team as Crosby and Malkin and he doesn't even get 20 points. Yeah. Like that, that just boggles my mind. So uh, hopefully he gets it sorted out. Um, basically at this point, Galchenyuk is just a throw in where if, if he becomes something, then great. But the centerpiece of this deal, like you said, is Kalen Addison. Um, he had 33 points in his rookie WHL season in Lethbridge. Um, he gets 65 points in his second WHL season. He adds 19 points in 16 playoff games. Uh, that year, he had two goals and 35 assists on the power play alone. 
um year three in the whl an identical 65 point season as he had in his second year um he had over almost 200 shots in his second year it was a bit less than that uh, in his third year but again still 60 plus point season he had another two goals and 32 assists on the power play in 2018-19 so pretty amazing stuff and then like you said 45 points in 41 games played this year and um again one of the best power play producers in the league and he's top 10 in defensive scoring in the whl in each of the last two and a half seasons so the ceiling for this guy is very very high and he 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 was actually talking about who he models his game after and he said jared spurgeon who he is now going to be teammates with so i find that pretty interesting how um the minnesota wild are getting another young defenseman that could be a big part of their movement and he gets jared spurgeon to learn from and ryan Suter to learn from and and that could be um the start of something special uh between uh, kaylin addison and the minnesota wild it also kind of it it kind of just starts the motor in my head thinking okay what's what's bill gearing up to here is he gonna trade a defenseman and I actually saw on Twitter that uh, according, uh, I I think it was uh, Michael Russo of The Athletic, um, just trying to find the tweet here. Uh, yeah, here it is from J.D. LaGrange. According to at Russo Hockey, the Wild might be looking for a top two line center and might consider sacrificing Jonas Brodeen or Matthew Dumba. Wow. Dumba could get them a lot yep. in a trade. So I'm I'm kind of interested and to see too. what what Bill Guerin is up to here, um, and he's made it very clear that if the Wild mail it in and they continue to lose and people are giving up on the team, changes are coming. More people will be shipped out, and he's going to get players that care and that can get results for the Minnesota fan base, and um, it's. He's being straight up honest, and he's telling it like it is. But yep. I'm I'm kind of one I'm kind of wondering if his uh, if that kind of style, um, it, putting it into the media spotlight, is just going to make people say, "Yeah, I don't want to play for this team anymore." Right, right. Or yeah, don't trade me there. Right, right. I guess. Well, I mean, I think this move signals that the Wild are rebuilding officially. I guess they did it last year, but that was more Fenton was an idiot. That um, was more of a retooling slash, yeah, Fenton didn't know what he was doing outside of the Kevin Fiala trade. Right, right. Well, and even at the time, we all thought Fenton yeah. was an idiot for <laughs> trading Granlund for Fiala. Perhaps it turns that out was more that was the blind opposite. luck than yeah. genius. But, you know. And the other one that uh, is now looking stupid the other way uh, we all thought uh, the Charlie Coyle Ryan Donato trade. Um, I, I remember I was very upset about that, um, and it turns out Ryan Donato's being healthy, scratched all the time, and uh, Charlie Coyle's like the best player on the Bruins at times. 
Uh, so oh, and, and let's not forget, let's not forget the piece de resistance, Victor Rass for Nino Nino Ryder. Yeah, that's true. Well, Nino hasn't exactly been great this season for Carolina. I know, but, but at the time, that's true. it looked really, really bad. Yeah, that them. still looks pretty it, bad. For that still looks pretty bad. So yeah, but but yeah, no, the it, it was more the people's reaction to the. Fiala Grandland trade and the reaction to Donato and Coyle trade has reversed um, yeah. in terms of how good they were. But I was saying this is the first time that the Wild are actually doing, you know, like they are rebuilding um, and all that stuff because they did sign Matt Zuccarella to a three year, I mean, a six year, six million mm -hmm. uh, contract. Sorry, five year, six million contract uh, per year. Uh, so, so they did they did give him that, but that was like a thirty two year old, and they don't need any more dead weight uh, contracts like that. So, I guess Bill Guerin's already doing better than Fenton, which isn't a high bar to set with, anyways. Um, and on that, and before I get into Bruce Boudreau, um, I did hear about this Dumba stuff are being traded um and i guess like you know jonas bordine's a, a decent defensive defenseman too so he could garner a lot especially with how andy green got a lot of um got a lot for uh, as another defensive defenseman as well so um i, I imagine brodine or dumba will garner a lot not just um you know especially considering what Andy Green got um, in return. Uh, so that's that's my only notes there. Um, I, I would be interested to see how they do it, but at the same time, it's like Kalen Addison will probably be in the league in two years. So they can wait um, until they, you know, they trade one of their defensemen. They don't have to trade them right now. So it, yeah. it'll be interesting to see if they trade, if they make a trade right now before the deadline or even in the summer because uh, they don't necessarily have to trade any of these guys um for the time being yeah and uh, just a quick fyi uh bill Guerin has already said that uh, kalen addison will turn pro next year whether oh, okay. that's ahl or nhl we don't know but he is turning pro next year that's Got the it. plan all right well Okay, that's interesting. Um, so, so you're right. You know, he could be here in two years. Yeah, that's fair. I didn't know that. Um, but that brings me to my other point that you mentioned, or that Gary mentioned, was that he he was saying that he wants to see how, like, he publicly was seeing how all he wants to see if these players actually care about the team or not. Um, which is kind of an interesting uh, move to go out publicly. I guess every GM does that too, but <laughs> to an extent, but not like publicly admit it. It's a different story. So I'd be curious to see uh, what trades they make in the coming weeks. Cause um, right, like you said, it, like a couple of these guys could just be like, you know what, screw this. I want to go to a contender. Um, and, and all that stuff. Um, well, yeah, and, and you take a look at Bill Guerin's NHL resume. He went to a bunch of different yeah. NHL markets. And True. he's probably been traded a couple of times as well. So, like, he gets that to business as much as anybody because he's been through that ringer before. Sure. And he gets that trades are tough, but he's just like, hey, 
when the going gets tough, the tough get going. So are you in or are you out? I think, I think I can appreciate that type of honesty from Bill Guerin. And I just, I'm just kind of concerned it's going to come across as wrong. And um, it, it kind of causes the, the wrong message about um, the, the Minnesota ownership and kind of turns people the wrong way. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, speaking of Garen, uh, he was, I remember, I went to a Bruins game. I believe he had two goals in the Bruins game um, when where I was at when I was very, obviously very young. But um, mm-hmm. I do remember that. So um, that was fun. Anyways, <laughs> back on yeah, topic. And, and apparently Bill Garen wasn't done because uh, a few days after he traded Zucker, he yeah. turns around and fires Bruce Boudreaux. Right, right. That that is a good segue here. Um, he, yeah, he trades Bruce Boudreaux here. Uh, this is a little bit interesting. I guess it was kind of um, obvious uh, when you think about it, but um, yeah. So he fires Bruce Boudreaux. Um, I, I mean, I talked about this before, but Ryan Donato had been healthy scratch for a bit. Um, I believe they also had a couple of their young players on like the third line or fourth line. Um, so, so I guess this makes sense in terms of like, if you're going to rebuild and Bruce Boudreaux doesn't even give their young players any chance um, at, um, at the moment, then this just, just signifies that, okay, he's not the right coach or the right fit for them um, anymore in the long term. So I think that's why he fired uh, Bruce Boudreaux um, and you know in terms of the future they they could they could do pretty well because like Kevin Fiala had like an amazing uh, week last week um, he, like he had like I think he had like six points in five games um, or something like that um, Ryan Donato I mentioned he he has some potential um, Joel Erickson Eck Luke Coonan could be good um, or he's had his moments before he's like a good uh, power forward for them. Jordan Greenway's another one. And then uh, they also have Kirill, I don't know how to, this is going to be tough I just to pronounce his name. I, Kaprizov? Kaprizov. Kirilly Kaprizov? I don't know how to pronounce his first name. But uh, so they have him in the, he's, he's doing, I think he has like a point per game in the KHL. And he has said that he's coming to the NHL next year. Um, and then also, of course, you have Kalen Addison um, as well, uh, who's who's going to be their other future player too. Not to mention, like, uh, Matt Dumba um, is 25 years old. Jared Spurgeon's 30 years old, so but, like, he's going to be on the team for a bit. Um, so, and Jonas Brodeen is 26. So they're pretty young um, defensemen as well that they can build off of. And of course you have Ryan Suter who is going to be on the team for forever. So, um, so they're like just those guys that I mentioned, if like at least like four of those guys pan out, um, then they're in good shape for a couple of years. Um, but now it's just a wait and see to see who, um, who is good and who's not, um, and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of thrown aback by uh, Bill Guerin's playing here because 
Remember earlier in the year where Minnesota went on a really bad losing streak and yep. if there was like a players uh, meeting and uh, Jason Zucker of all people uh, oddly enough was saying that we all have to be better. Bruce needs to be better. I need to be better. We all need to be better. And it's it's odd that in the same week that him and Boudreaux are out of the picture entirely. But I'm just thinking, why did he wait until now to fire Bruce Boudreaux when logically it probably would have been the no-brainer time to do so at the start of the year? Right now, prior to Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux being fired, Minnesota was 7-3-1 in their last 11, only a couple of points out of a playoff spot. And despite, you know, inconsistent, shaky goaltending, you know, Bruce Boudreaux has somehow kept them in striking distance. He's done his best, and he's out of a job. Right. It, it just it just kind of puzzling why Bill Guerin would do this now. Why not wait till the end of the season and, and give at least Bruce Boudreau the honor of just coaching up the season and doing what he can for the team. Because his contract was going to expire after this year anyway. You could have just not renewed it. So I, that that's what kind of really gets me about this. I think, and, and someone was really nice to point this out on Twitter. Um... I can't remember who tweeted it, but anyways, a very good point regardless. Tweet was something to the effect of Bill Guerin gave players and coaches enough time to show what they've got. He gave them 40 to 50 games or whatever. Now he's trying to see what he's got. He's also, I think, taken the scapegoat away from the players. If the players underperform everyone's going to be like well Bruce Boudreaux's message is probably run dry it's probably the coach players have no excuse now they're playing for their jobs they're playing for the jobs on the Minnesota Wild right now the coach is coaching for their jobs everyone's got something to prove it's a fight for survival out there Bill Guerin wants to see what kind of character he's got he wants to see the players and the coaches true colors and he probably feels this is the best way to see it. Yeah. While saying, we're trying to compete for a playoff spot still. So he's trying to find, maybe, I don't know for sure, but someone's suggesting he's trying to find out the character of his group. And honestly, at this rate, might not be such a bad theory. Yeah, you do bring up a good point about, like, why didn't he just fire Bruce Boudreaux at the start of the season? Um, my guess is that he just wanted to give Boudreaux a chance. Um, I guess that's that's always a thing is once you're like a GM, the GM always has to get their guy. Um, and so, so like instantly, as soon as Garen became the GM for the Wild, you know, Boudreaux was on the hot seat and all that. But I guess it was just like a wait and see, like in case all of a sudden Minnesota is like a really good team or for some reason. So I think, I think that had some part of it where like, like maybe Garen decided like, okay, at the end of January, we're going to look. And if we we're not close to the playoffs, we're just going to fire Bruce Boudreaux and, 
and focus on the future and all that stuff. So I think that was his plan. Um, and I guess you could make the case that he probably could have seen this coming to begin with. But um, I think that's probably what he was thinking. Um, and then, yeah, so I have here what other big moves will the Wild make in the near future? Um, I mean, yeah, you might be right. I think Matt Dumba and Jonas Brodeen could be on the way out. Um, Miku Koivu and Alex Galchenyuk are both UFAs um, as well, but I doubt anyone wants either one of them. Uh, Koivu because he's old and Galchenyuk because uh, this is his fourth team in three years. So, um, so yeah, I don't know um, if people would necessarily be interested in that, but I would not be surprised if Garen um, is done with trades um, before the deadline. Yeah, and you know who's to say that um, these trades are going to happen at the deadline? Maybe like the Dumba True. thing happens in the offseason, perhaps. Yeah, you know, but I, I could, could see probably that. see that as a more logical um, True. Turn around, especially Although, when you can when you consider guys like Petrangelo, like I mentioned in the last podcast, guys like Petrangelo, guys like Tyson Berry yeah. and Tori Krug that are going to get their money's worth. You get a guy like Matt Dumbo with term yeah. for a couple of years. I think a lot of people would be willing to take that route instead of spending a lot of money on someone like Tori Krug I'll, or Alex Petrangelo or Tyson Berry. Right. Although on that note. Like Blake Coleman uh, got traded with term, and so did Jason Zucker got traded with term, and that got a lot uh, for those guys. So if you're gonna trade Matt Dumba, who has three more years left, or I guess technically four more years left, he, uh, you know, you could get a ton for Matt Dumba. Uh, yeah, and so. it's expected that the price is gonna be high. I hear. It's a first round yeah. pick, a prospect, and um, a t uh, someone in the top six. Right. At minimum, that's what it's going to take to pry Matt Dumba out of Bill Guerin's hands. So um, it's definitely going to be a pricey endeavor if a GM wants to get their hands on Matt Dumba, but um, it definitely would be an interesting trade piece if uh, Bill Guerin put it out there. Honestly, I think all options are on the table. Yep. I don't think Bill Guerin knows what he's going to do. It's going to be more of a wait and see, go uh, wait and see, go with your gut type of approach. And uh, I definitely don't think the changes are done. I think uh, the changes just keep on coming. I don't know how fast, but I think they keep on coming. Mm -hmm. There's also um, a lot of head coaching options to choose from. Uh, we talked about Bruce Boudreaux. We didn't talk too, too much about the guy taking over for him, but he is going to be a part of their job search at the end of the season. Uh, Dean Evason. Yep. Um, he was uh, an NHL player back in the day. Um, been around a few teams, uh, had a 20 goal season or two in his early days in Hartford, but kind of a setup man, didn't really possess the dynamic offensive tools, but you know, a pretty decent player. Um, he then got into coaching after his playing days were done. He was the head coach of the Milwaukee Admirals for six years, did some good things with them 
in 2018, Minnesota hired him as an assistant coach, and now he's got the interim tag. Um, so the next 30 plus games or however many games Minnesota has left in the season is going to be his audition basically. And, um, he will have a chance to get the intern tag removed and be the full-time head coach of this organization, but he's probably going to have to go up against guys like Gerard Gallant and Pierre Levillet and, you know, maybe Mike Babcock, I guess. Um, there, there are a lot of options for Bill Guerin to choose from. He doesn't have to take the intern tag off of Edison. He, he, he can get some really good talent, but he, he has to act quickly because something tells me as soon as the regular season ends, a lot of those vacant coaching positions on non-playoff teams are going to be filled very, very quickly. Yeah, that is a good point. I There was a, there was a rumor... I think I think it was LeBron. It might be someone else, but uh, he was saying that. Oh no, no it was Friedman. Uh, that um, that on the short list is Doug Waite. Um, right. Apparently, Bill Guerin and Doug Waite are were former teammates at one point, um, and Doug Waite is just. I think he's like coaching for his son, who's in the BCHL right now. Um, so um, I think they're just waiting for that team um, or that season to be over, and then Doug Waite will join the fold. But like I could, like there are still a couple of coaches out there, like Peter Laviolette. Um, I think you mentioned another one. I doubt I doubt Mike Babcock will uh, go to yeah. <laughs> go on this team, uh, just because if if he doesn't like young players, uh, that's not a good fit for him. Um, I think there was another player, another coach that you mentioned. Gerard Gallant. Gerard, yeah, Gallant's the other one. Yeah, so um, I could see either one of those guys if they wanted to to uh, join a a rebuilding team. That could be a an interesting thing. I feel like Laviolette would be more likely than Gallant then, because um, Gallant seems to be the guy that um, like wants to be on a contender. Um, I don't know if Laviolette necessarily wants to to do that, so we'll see. Um, yeah, so um, that about I think that does it. Do you have any other thoughts about this? Like, wait, I... Um, I I will say that uh, Bruce Boudreaux isn't going to be out of a job for long. Oh right. Um, um, he is the eighth head coach fired this season, matching the bloodiest season for in-season coaching changes in league history. So he's not the only poor soul that's um, gotten the rear end on the way out. But uh, it should be noted that two days after he was fired by Washington, the Ducks hired him. And after he was hired, uh, after he was fired by the Ducks, seven days later, the Minnesota Wild hired Bruce Boudreaux. Um, I don't guarantee that in less than two weeks, Bruce Boudreaux will be off the market and on a new team, um, but he will probably be back coaching in this league as soon as next season. It yeah. would not surprise me if he gets a new gig uh, between now and October. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised uh, to see him even get a coaching gig right now, like this season, although I guess it's a little late now, but I don't know. Crazier mm -hmm. things have happened, like uh, Claude Julian getting fired by the Devils three 
days before the playoffs when his yeah. team won the division. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was that was pretty random. So so there are crazier situations, but um, so I could see it happening. Also, it is interesting uh, for like Boudreaux's career stuff is like. You know, he was on the Capitals, and they were a scoring machine, and then he kind of ran out of favor, uh, or just never was able to win Game 7, um, and that's why he left. And then he goes to Anaheim, and then they are never, like, they were pretty good, and then he was never able to win Game 7, and then he goes to Minnesota, and he, he's not even in the playoffs. So... Um, so I do hope he's like the Andy Reid of I feel like of um, of hockey, where he uh, he's never won the big one or has never gotten past Game Seven. So I've, I've, I have a feeling he'll he'll be on a he'll he'll coach a team too. But uh, you do feel for the guy because he is a good coach. It's just that uh, that Game Seven always trips him up. Yeah, well, there was actually, I believe, if I remember seeing this on Twitter correctly, uh, when he was coaching the Ducks, they lost four straight Game 7s at yep. home. Like, in four straight years, they lost a Game 7 on home ice. That that must really sting for them. Um, but the thing with Bruce Boudreaux, you can knock his playoff stats all you want. You can knock his Game 7 stats all you want. If you need a coach to get you in the playoffs, Bruce Boudreaux is your guy. He yep. has several 40-win seasons. He has multiple 50-wins. All right. I guess that does it for us. Um, yeah, you can catch us on iTunes or Spotify at Lace Them Up. Um, our Twitter is Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up. And, uh, yeah, that about does it for us. I don't know where Steve went. I assume he'll see us um, <laughs> when it happens. Um, yeah. Um, I'm Brett Duboff. Steve is Steve Ellsworth. Um, and see you again next week.